Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis about the Egypt chapter of Hagar's life before meeting Abraham and the breaking of her pride to get her to go back to Sarah. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can find the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes. That's the Friendship with God podcast on iTunes. Now, this Bible teaching radio program, especially this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program from Tom Cantor, is available through listener support. So we need your listener support to continue this Bible teaching radio program on this station in your city. And we'd like to encourage you to donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. If you're really enjoying the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor, we really do need your support. 1-800-247-3051. Or again, friendshipwithgod.org. Now, our resource of the month is Tom Cantor teaching on the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. We have a two-disc DVD production that brings to life the process and passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and the personal relevance of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Passover lamb in our lives today. You want to get this DVD. It's our resource of the month for a $20 or more donation, and it'll help to encourage you to continue to support the Friendship with God radio program. So call us now or after the program at one 800 247 or go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore, or again, donate online, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from the book of Genesis about Hagar's life and the breaking of her pride to get her to go back to Sarah, just as our pride needed to be broken for us to come to Christ. But for the saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, each one of those sins that they've done, that's written on it immediately, Paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the saved are saved from that day of wrath and the righteous revelation of the revelation of the righteous judgment of God because having gotten under the umbrella of God's protection, having accepted the Lamb of God which takes away their sins, so that's what happens for the saved. But every time in this chapter in Hagar's life, every time she did one of those things in Egypt we talked about in this chapter in her life, Hagar was treasuring up unto herself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. So the chapter in Hagar's life in Egypt was the chapter was filled with Hagar just storing up and depositing one sin after another until she had amassed, like any lost person, this terrible treasure of sins. And that chapter in Hagar's life was like the chapter in our lives of what our lives were like before we came to know and be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because like Hagar, we just continued along also in our life. Hagar followed the Egyptians, we went with the crowd. And it was just one terrible sin after another, a terrible, another, one terrible sinful thought, another terrible sinful word, another terrible sinful act. And after each one, Hagar and we, we said the same thing. Right now, I feel terrible for what I thought or what I said or what I did, but just give it some time. Just give it some time. Time will heal it all. 
with time I'll be able to forget it, move on. And we thought that just by giving it time to forget it, just by closing our eyes to what we did, just by forgetting what we did, that all of our sins would just vanish away. But that's not true. And like Hagar, we had no idea that with each sin, we were making another deposit, another treasuring into our own personal terrible treasure of all of our sins that we were collecting for our own personal day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God who would render to every man according to his deeds. Then one day, in a very surprising series of strange events, Hagar found herself in this new family. All of a sudden, Hagar is now a part of Abraham's family as Sarah's maid. And this started for Hagar a new chapter in her life. And in this chapter in Hagar's life of Abraham's family, Hagar is now in the light. She's not in the darkness, she's in the light. She has learned in this chapter, being now in Abraham's family, just how sinful her past really was when she lived in Egypt. And in Abraham's family now, Hagar has learned that she was a great sinner and that she needed a great Savior. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has learned that God is a great Savior. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has now learned that God requires the shedding of blood in order for there to be an atonement for sins. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has now learned how you trust God how you pray to God, how you trust God for the forgiveness of your sins through the blood that was symbolized by what Abraham called God himself will provide a lamb. And in Abraham's family, Hagar has learned how God is the God of life and he's the God of resurrection from the dead as Abraham had that confirmed conviction that God was able even to raise up Isaac from the dead. So in Abraham's family, Hagar is really in the light, and she has gone from the chapter in her life in Egypt of darkness to this new chapter in her life in Abraham's family was to light. She had gone from darkness to light, and she didn't do anything. That's the amazing thing. You think about Hagar. She didn't do anything. She you know, so it wasn't as if Abraham's caravan arrives into Egypt and, you know, Hagar's, you know, hey, take me, take me. Oh, well, we don't know what happened. But she didn't do anything for that transaction to take place. It was just like with many of us. We didn't do anything. And all of a sudden, someone come, came into our lives and told us about the Lord Jesus Christ, what a terrible sinner we were and how all those sins in the past could be forgiven by him. You know, for me, it was Cheryl. I found the pretty girl. I learned that I found a far more beautiful Savior. And like Hagar, I did nothing, and all of a sudden, a new chapter of light opens in my life where I was in the light. But in verse 7, a new chapter has opened in Hagar's life where she did not appreciate the light that she was in, and she has run away from the light in Abraham's house, and sitting by that fountain there in the middle of the wilderness, we see Hagar who is now afraid. And she just doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know where to turn. She's confused. And in that state of mind, God finds her. 
And sometimes we're in this situation. That's why it's so valuable for us to look at it. Sometimes we're in the verse 7. We've allowed ourselves to sin and to separate ourselves from God. We've allowed some dark passion. Maybe like Hagar, we allowed the dark passion of pride and anger to get the best of us. And we said words that we wish we had not said. And those words have come in between us and God. And we're like Hagar, we feel we're out there in the wilderness and we feel so separated, like she did. We feel so alone, we feel so badly and we don't know what to do and we feel so wrong and we feel the damage that we've created and we're confused, like Hagar. And we just find ourselves like a Hagar sitting out all alone by some fountain of water having no idea what to do next. That's Hagar. And so now we see in verse 8 how God comes to rescue Hagar in her state. And what we see here is how God is going to restore Hagar. She's going to restore Hagar from where she fell. And in that restoration process, the first words that God says to Hagar in that situation is in verse 8, and it's where it says, and he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid. Those are the first words that Hagar hears from God. He says, Hagar, Sarai's maid. Her name, he hears, what does she hear? She hears her name and her title. You know, Hagar heard God call her by her name. And that was a wonderful feeling, you can imagine, for Hagar. I mean, uh, she thought, God just called me by my name. God called my name. That means he knows me. God just called me by my name. That means he sees the state, the desperate state I'm in right now. God just called me by my name. That means he cares for me. He wants to help me. It's such an encouragement to Hagar to hear God call her name. And then God says to Hagar her title. says, Hagar, Sarai's maid. Now, why did God say that? Why did he say, Hagar, Sarah is made? You know, was it because there were a lot of people out there, several Hagars? <laughs> Make sure we got the right Hagar. I mean, the Hagar, Sarah is made. Please step forward. You know, it wasn't like that at all. Because she's the only one there. So, you know, God didn't say, Hagar, Sarah is made, to make sure that, you know, got the right one. God called out, Hagar, Sarah is made, because that was the first step back for Hagar on her road to restoration. When God called out Hagar, Sarai's maid, what's important is what God did not call Hagar. You know, God did not say to Hagar, Hagar, Abraham's wife. But that's how Hagar was thinking of herself. She was thinking of herself as Abraham's wife. That was why Hagar despised Sarah, because Hagar had imagined herself to be a wife of Abraham, and as a matter of fact, the better wife, the more preferred wife, if you don't mind. And that was the root problem with Hagar, and that was why she was separated from Abraham's family, because of P-R-I-D-E, because Hagar was proud. Hagar was Sarah's maid, and God had placed in her, in that family, as Sarah's maid. But when Hagar had seen that she had conceived with Abraham, she thought to herself, oh, I'm not just Sarah's maid. I'm Abraham's wife. I'm the wife of the owner of this big caravan, of all this wealth. And I'm just not another wife that's equal with Sarah, with that old lady Sarah. I'm the young wife, the fertile wife, that's carrying the only heir 
to Abraham, my husband. I'm really something. That's Hagar. I'm the wife of Abraham. I'm the mother of his heir. Who's this Sarah? She's nothing. She's an old lady. I just look down on her. I despise her. I'm better than her. And when Hagar took on that new attitude, she lost her soberness of thinking. She was no longer sober in her thinking because she was no longer thinking of herself as just Sarah's maid, but she became drunk with feeling her own importance. And in this drunken state of thinking herself to be more than she should think of herself, Hagar did exactly what Paul warned believers, don't do this. And we see this in Romans 12, 3. Paul says, and you remember Romans 12, where he starts off, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. And then he goes on, and he says in verse 3 of Romans 12, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, not drunken, but soberly. Then Hagar was thinking drunken, whatever that means. She was thinking like a drunkard, and she was drunk with herself and the feeling of how important she was. That's why Paul says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And it was time for Hagar to sober up in her thinking about herself because she was thinking and imagining herself to be Abraham's wife, Abraham's better wife, and all that thinking was making her drunk thinking. And she needed to sober up of who she really was. And Paul says, same for us. Don't think of yourself more highly than you do. If you do, you're drunk in your thinking, but sober up. And Hagar needed to think soberly. And God says, I'll sober you up. And it won't be a cup of coffee. (laughs) But God says, I'll sober you up with these words. Hagar, Sarai's maid. That was God sobering up Hagar's mind. And for any lost person to come out of darkness and come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got to sober up and stop thinking of himself that he's very important with he's filled drunk with the feeling of his own self-importance. And so what we see here is God leading Hagar out of her pride with these verse 8 words. Hagar, Sarai's maid. You know, that's that mighty hand of God coming down on Hagar, pushing her down from being Abraham's wife. And every lost person must humble himself under the mighty hand of God. Let God lead them out of pride into the humility of seeing themselves as a poor, lost sinner. That's sober thinking. And like with Hagar, every lost person must accept God's Hagar, Sarai's maid, call to them. John, you poor, lost sinner. That's God's call. And that's why God's first call to Hagar was Hagar, Sarai's wife. And if Hagar was going to go on with God, she had to accept the bearing of her pride, and she had to get in the place of humility. And that's true of us. That's true of us. If a sin has brought us into a desperate sitting by a fountain in the desert, no idea where to go, step one, bury the pride. Bury our pride and become humble. Because for both the lost and the saved, the principle is true for both. 
where it says in James 4, 6, and he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth. It's a bad thing to be resisted by God. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want to see a hand in someone's chest? God puts his hand in the chest of a proud person. Proud person's going to try to come to God, and God puts his hand right in his chest and says, you're not coming. Because everyone in hell today who would say, Lord, Lord, open up heaven for me, and everyone in hell today is there for just one reason, P-R-I-D-E. That's it, pride. And if we're honest and look carefully, we'll see that like Hagar, we've sinned because of our own pride. It's always at the base. And like Hagar, we thought of ourselves more highly than we ought. And the first step back is to let God put us in the Hagar, Sarai's made place. So God calls to Hagar, Hagar, Sarai's maid. And by saying that, God is saying to Hagar, you are not Abraham's wife. You are not elevated above Sarah. You have no reason to look down and to despise Sarah. You are Hagar, Sarai's maid. And Hagar is very smart not to argue with God. It's very smart not to argue with God. You can't win that argument. Or to rebel against God, but to accept her place as Sarah's maid. Now, by accepting her humble position as Sarah's maid, Hagar's now ready to start thinking soberly, like it says in Romans 12, 3. And so, with this renewed sober mind, God now asks Hagar this question, Whence camest thou? So he's asking her, turn around and look back on your life. And when God said that to Hagar, he knew where she came from. He didn't need the education about it. He's not trying to find out. He's wanting Hagar to think about where she had come from. And so God is wanting Hagar to think about the last two chapters in her life. The chapter of Hagar's darkness in Egypt and the chapter of Hagar's light in Abraham's family. And so the question, whence camest thou? God is leading Hagar to think of all she had left. He's leading Hagar to consider all the light she's running away from. And that reminds me of a missionary family, you know, in Indonesia who had adopted the boy and the girl from the capital, Jakarta, and the mother of the children had been a prostitute. And as the kids grew up in the jungle there with the missionary family, they got proud. And they started to talk about, boy, it would be so much better if we were in the city of Jakarta where we came from. If we just could have been left alone and never been adopted. And it would have been exciting to live in Jakarta, to back on the streets. And it irritated. (laughs) It irritated the family. So they decided, the father decided, they just had too much of this kind of talk. So he said, okay, I'll take you back to Jakarta, and we'll go back to those streets where your mother was a prostitute, and you'll just see how great this life is. And they did, and they went back there, and they saw, and that cured the kids. They never talked about it anymore, that they wanted to live on the streets of Jakarta. And that's what God's question is designed to do for Hagar. Whence camest thou? It's designed to do the same thing for Hagar. To cause her to look back and to see, just like those kids had a chapter one, she had a chapter one in her life in Egypt, and then her life of darkness, and then she had a chapter two, her life in the light. So God's saying, you need to see this clearly, to appreciate what you are now running away from. She's running away from the place of light where God was honored. And with that question... Hagar thought, boy, with Sarai and Abraham's wife, I mean, Abraham's maid, I mean, when I was in that position, I heard about God. I saw people pray to the only true God. I was in a place where God was honored and spoken about. I was in a place where God was worshipped and adored. I was in a place of light. Now where am I? 
There's no knowledge of God where I am right now. I've left the place of light and gone backwards to a place of darkness. I'm running away from light. So when God asked Hagar this question, once camest thou, God's asking her, what light are you running away from? And that's the question that God asks every sinner. What light are you running away from? Is it the light of a gospel-preaching church where you've just snapped your fingers in the face of a pastor or whoever and said, you know, I don't have to take this, and you're running away from that? Is it the light of a Christian family or a praying mother that you said, I got things to do and people to meet and not, I don't want this? Is it the light of a Christian friend that you're running away from who brought you the gospel, you're running away from that? But God has the same question for every person. Whence camest thou? And that question's for every sinner. What light are you running away from? And God asked that question because he said in John three nineteen through 20, he talked about what condemnation was. And he defined condemnation like this. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, or he runs away from the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. For Hagar, light came into her life, and now she loved darkness because she's clinging to the deed of despising, the evil deed, of despising Sarah in her own pride. And the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world was light is come. And with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great decision is made. Either hate the sin and love the light, or love the sin and hate the light. And to make that fatal decision to love the sin and hate the light is described by the Lord Jesus Christ as the one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. You show me a person who loves his sin, and I'll show you a person who hates the Lord Jesus Christ and will not come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It all comes down to whether or not a person is willing, as we said last week, to frame his doings. It all comes down to whether a person is willing to natan or give up his sin to be taken away like the people who lived in Jerusalem and they would carry their trash out and throw it into the valley outside of Jerusalem, Gehinom, where there would be all this burning taking place. It all comes down to whether or not a person is willing to separate himself from his sins so that he won't be separated from God. That's why God asked Hagar, whence camest thou to bring her face to face with what she was running away from? And then, after he's asked that question to reflect on her past, then he says, okay, Hagar, and he asked you to reflect on your past with the whence camest thou question. Now in verse 8, God is saying, now turn around. Hagar, and now look in the future. Look what lies ahead. And ask the question, he asked the next question, whither wilt thou go? So when God asked Hagar that, God was saying to Hagar, Hagar, how's your life right about now? How are things going for you, Hagar? Why don't you think about that, Hagar? Are you happy with how your life is turning out right about now? Are you heading in the direction that you want to go in? Where are you going Hagar, in your life. Those are penetrating questions that God was asking Hagar, and they're penetrating questions that God asks every lost person. Because for a lost person to be saved, he's got to look at his life and realize that he's heading nowhere. 
And he has to realize that he has no idea where he's going. And that's why Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, got such traction. Because it caused people to see they don't have a purpose that's driving their life. Now, notice how Hagar responds in verse 8 to these two questions. She says, in verse 8, and she said, I flee from the face of of, uh, my mistress Sarah. So that was all Hagar had to say. She was running away from Sarah. She has no answer to the second question, where she's going. She doesn't know. She only has an answer for the first question as to where she's coming from. So Hagar's answer was that, I'm in rebellion against Sarah. Sarah was for Hagar God's way to break Hagar's pride. And Hagar was running away from God's instrument to break her pride. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now to encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program, our resource of the month is Tom Cantor teaching on the Passover from Exodus chapter 12 and Isaiah 53. It's the Passover like you've never heard it preached or taught before. And this is a wonderful time to give someone the gift of the Passover and the teaching on it, especially as we near Passover time and Easter. It's a great gift to give to a Christian or an unbeliever or even a Jewish person who may be searching for the truth and evidence of the scriptures and who the Messiah is at the Passover or Easter time of year. Now call us today with your donation of support of $20 or more and we'll send you this powerful DVD teaching on the Passover by Tom Cantor. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or you can go to friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore, friendshipwithgod.org, and you can order it through there. And you can also make your donation online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program on Facebook. Just search for Tom Cantor or Friendship with God or Israel Restoration Ministries. Now you can also receive Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse through the Facebook account or you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org to have that directly sent to your cell phone or your phone. Again, 1-800-247-3051 or friendshipwithgod.org. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow.